It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law. Featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, an attorney and a partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to malkbaker.com. That's M A U C K B A K E R.com, or call us at 312 726 1243. Are Christian colleges and universities under attack? As a secular society is becoming more and more hostile to faith, religious institutions are being threatened by the law. Today, we are talking with Shapri Lomaglio, the Senior Vice President for Government and External Relations at the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities, or popularly known as the CCCU. Uh, Shapri directs the CCCU's response to legislative, legal, and regulatory challenges uh, that affect its membership, educates its institutions on such matters, and advocates on behalf of the uh, colleges and universities at Washington, D.C. Shapri, I am extremely happy to have you on this show. Welcome. Well, it's so good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. There is so much to go into, and you are involved in so many areas. So I have presented this uh, with a picture that Christian colleges and universities are under attack. Would you agree with that assessment, or would you have a different way of putting it? Well, I do agree that certainly Christian colleges and universities in the last number of years have faced a number of very real challenges, particularly in the area of uh, being able to operate in a way that's faithful to their religious mission. So I think that is um, that is something that we have indeed faced in the last decade in particular in a way that has been more acute um, than perhaps uh, in the at least recent past and perhaps ever. Well, let's go back a little bit and give us a little background on the CCCU uh, and why Christian colleges and universities have banded together through this organization. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, that's a great tie in our origin to even what we're talking about here today because um, this organization was actually founded in 1976 as a response to many legislative and legal matters that had been happening here in Washington, D.C. And the schools had been, you know, had been realizing that we need to make sure that we have a presence in Washington, D.C. and that together we're stronger than we are individually. Uh, shortly before that, Title IX. Um, Title VII, of course, of the Civil Rights Act and affecting employment, um, had both recently happened, and I think schools have had, you know, religious organizations have had to kind of have a presence in those conversations to make sure that their interests were being represented well, but there wasn't an official way to do that. And so we actually originated for the very purpose um, that we are here today and, and working on different issues but certainly with the same um, realization that uh, our institutions needed uh, a presence and a voice in Washington looking out for their interests. Well, I think that certainly is uh, vital. A lot of our listeners may not know about, let's say, Title VII or Title IX and how it would affect a Christian college. Give us a little background on that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Title IX was famously known as the law that um, ensured equality in sports 
for women and has been a monumental law in our country that has had an amazing impact on the lives of women, both in sports and generally in access to higher education. But it also had some unique attributes that schools like women's colleges or schools like religious colleges or fraternities and sororities or different things may have had needed the law to take into account their unique characteristics and create some exemptions for them. And same thing with Title VII. Title VII is a law that, through the Civil Rights Act, prohibited employers from discriminating in race and employment, which was a wonderful thing for our country, but it also needed to have an exemption in there that allowed religious employers, because it also prohibits from discriminating in religion, and also other national origin, other characteristics have been added over the years, but it also needed to have an exemption so that religious employers could, in fact, hire based on religion. So if, an order, if a, right, a church school wants to have only Christians or a school at a synagogue wants to have only Jewish people as their teachers, there needed to be a religious exemption in those laws that would allow, um, while the general rule is that employers cannot make hiring decisions based on a person's religion, um, religious employers could, in fact, continue to consider that. And so both of those obviously had implications for our schools, as they're both colleges, universities, and religious employers. And so it was essential that they had a voice in, in those conversations and um, wanted to, I think, really was highlighted the um, the need for a presence here in Washington D.C. And Rich, there's a great um, uh, expression that I think uh, people may have heard before, but I think really highlights why people have a presence in Washington D.C., which is that if you're not if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And so uh, we wanted to make sure that that people knew who we were and that our interests were being um, watched out for here. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker of the law firm of Malk and Baker. Uh, today we are speaking with Shapri Lomaglio of the CCCU, and we're talking about the challenges that Christian colleges and universities are facing in the secular arena and in really uh, government regulation right now. Uh, Shapri, you've already proved your weight in gold by those two uh, very good summaries of Title VII and Title IX. Um, those issues aren't going away, even though they may have started in the 70s. Um, the universities and colleges are facing new Title VII and Title IX questions right now. Give us a little perspective on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are questions, as you say, coming up uh, newly around those um, both of those uh, topics, um, both at the federal and at the state level, in different ways. But in particular right now, um, I think there are two major things. One is there remain organizations and there remain lawmakers who are skeptical that religious organizations should be able to make hiring decisions based on religion and that that should be allowed and that that is um, something that is actually not only that is both required by the First Amendment and also that is good public policy for organizations to be able to have fidelity to their mission and ensure that their employees do the same. Uh, you know, if the organization PETA wanted to ensure that all of their employees were faithful to their mission and they said, we only hire vegetarians or vegans, um, that would be something that I think the average person would say, that makes a lot of sense. Or if the Republican Party wants to only hire Republicans, 
I think people say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But when we, then when we get over into religion, there becomes um, a, a different level of skepticism, both because it is a protected class, and people in general should be treated equally under the law, no matter, no matter what their religion is or whether they have no religion at all. But also recognizing that there are religious organizations and religious spaces where in order to be faithful to their mission, they need to be able to hire based on religion. And I think the question that we're also facing then is what does that mean? So for religious organizations then that have orthodox or historic Christian teachings about marriage, human sexuality, gender, as the law increasingly includes protections for those uh, types of individuals and those persons, how do those laws intersect with the ability to hire according to your religious convictions and beliefs about even these particular topics, not just generally do you subscribe to kind of the same religion in the broadest tradition or broadest sense of the word, but do you actually believe that you should live it out and play it out in your life the same way the, the organization does? And with both of these I've raised, Rich, it's really a question of, it's not a different question than every other set of rights in our country, which is how do we find laws and how do we move forward in a way that allows rights to be balanced against one another? We have the right to free speech, but we can't yell fire in a crowded theater. We're all pretty comfortable with that. We understand that they're both important. The free speech is an important right, but there also needs to be times and places where it's not fully allowed to, to be uh, on display. And that's with all rights we have to figure out as a country how do we balance differing rights against one another and how do we find a way forward that actually the, the slogan I like to say is the maximize is the most amount of freedom for the most number of people. You raise um, really, really significant questions with regard to the issues of uh, really what's come down to the religious freedom issues versus the gay rights issues, which is not only uh, finding uh, conflict uh, in our schools and our universities, but also finding conflict uh, in secular society. We have the flower arrangement case. Uh, we have the bakery cases. We have... Uh, T-shirt cases where businesses uh, do not want to promote particular messages and they're finding great opposition when they try to freely exercise their faith with regard to those matters. So the, the topics you're raising certainly are not limited here and, and, and reverberating through the whole society. We're going to have to take a look a little bit at what the CCCU's position is on those. Uh, issues and how you're trying to resolve them at this point. I think that comes up in a topic called Fairness for All, which is being widely discussed right now. But we're almost out of time. So when we return from the break, we will talk further with Shapri Lamaglio about the challenges that Christian colleges and universities are facing with a new legislation pending in Congress promoting gay rights. And we'll also talk about why we should preserve the unique education of Christian colleges and universities. I'm Rich Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
Falcon Baker is nationally known for representing churches and religious institutions and is providing you with a free resource to help your church stay protected under the law. This church legal checklist is designed to help your church identify and assess general risks under Illinois law and is revised yearly to keep your church up to date. Go to malkbaker.com slash church legal to download your free copy of this easy to fill out 21 section resource that your church can review at monthly board meetings. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, an attorney with a firm of Malk and Baker. It's a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals and their legal needs. If you missed the first part of the show and want to listen online, go to maukbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, we're speaking with Shapri Lomaglio of the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities. We've been talking about some of the legal challenges that uh, these universities and colleges have faced. When we went to break, we were talking about a new initiative uh, taking place called Fairness for All. Um, And the CCCU has um, staked out a broad position on that right now. Um, Shapri, tell us a little bit about where the CCCU is on that, what that issue is and where they are on it. Fairness for All, I think you can't talk about Fairness for All without talking about the past history of legislation in the area of LGBT rights and how it would otherwise impact religious freedom. So there's currently a bill in Congress. It was introduced a couple of weeks ago. Uh, It's called the Equality Act. Uh, Your listeners may know, and if you do, you should, you know, know this number off the top of your head. 218 votes is what it takes to get uh, a bill passed in the House of Representatives. And the Equality Act was introduced in the House of Representatives with 239 votes. So that bill will be voted on on June 24th. Uh, on the House of Floor, which is the 50th anniversary of Stonewall, and it will pass with a significant and resounding vote. Um, And it will introduce LGBT rights, um, so it will put sexual orientation and gender identity into, I believe, every chapter of the Civil Rights Act. And it will do so in a way that not only does does it not add (laughs) any specific religious freedom provisions that would be necessary in order to account for the new conflicts that are going to arise because of these new sets of rights being put into law, it actually tries to roll back or repeal current rights, current religious freedom rights that exist today. And so I'm here speaking on behalf of the colleges and universities, but this would also affect um, Adoption of foster care agencies it would adopt, uh, would affect uh, uh, homeless shelters and and uh, CityGate and their network of of shelters and it would affect pretty much every type of religious organization that is holds uh, historic Christian teachings on gender and human sexuality and marriage and so I can tell you the specifics on how it would affect Christian colleges and universities and in very broad refrain. It would undermine our hiring rights. It would undermine our ability for our students to take title, their Title IV funding, so their student loans and their Pell Grants and other kinds of federal aid, to our institutions. It would undermine the ability of our institutions to compete for federal research funding and other types of grant 
funding from the federal government, and it would repeal the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which not only applies to organizations but also to individuals, which is, say, Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby did not win its case in the Supreme Court on a constitutional uh, basis. It won on the basis of RIFRA, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And so that allows organizations and and individuals and companies to say, hey, the government's violating my religious freedom for no reason. There's a totally lesser burdensome way that they can do the thing that they're trying to do. And that is exactly the case with the Equality Act. If the government is seeking to put sexual orientation and gender identity into law, there are absolutely less burdensome ways to do it than what the Equality Act does, which is essentially to trample on religious freedom in every way. And so... This bill has been in Congress for four years. This is its fifth year in Congress being introduced now. And each year we've seen support for the Equality Act grow. Two Congresses ago, which was an all-Republican Congress, the Equality Act had more support than a bill called the First Amendment Defense Act, which was a good bill, which would have done good things for religious freedom. And that Congress was the most Republican Congress since 1947, I think, but since a very long time ago. We just passed two years, the last Congress, we had a Republican House, we had a Republican Senate, we had a Republican President. We had so one-party government. So as you know, when there's priorities, they can be accomplished in one-party government if they're ever going to get accomplished. And I work here in Washington, D.C. every day for 10 years to preserve the religious freedom of our institutions. We've worked in every which kind of way to do that. We've worked on a contraceptive and abortifacient mandate cases. We've worked on, we've talked about the Higher Education Act. We've worked on Title IX. We've, we've pursued every possible means to support our institutions' religious mission and to preserve their missions. And... We work with a broad coalition here of people in Washington, D.C. to do that. And we've watched the reality, which is that religious freedom only legislation is not getting passed. We've worked to help on language that we've worked, that has been introduced, basically language that we helped on. We've worked to support a number of other bills. And we just left, as, as, and, as a, and as proof of what I'm saying, we just passed two years of, as I said, a Republican House, Senate, and president, no religious freedom legislation was passed. We have an executive order, but as you know, an executive order, very next president comes in who doesn't like that with a stroke of a pen can eliminate that. That's and exactly religious right. freedom, that's right. And religious freedom and the mission of our institutions, the mission of World Vision, the mission of rescue missions and adoption agencies, the mission of those things is too important to play political ping pong ball with where every other presidential term. You have religious freedom, you don't. You have religious freedom, you don't. And you understand, and I understand also when you're running an institution and you have budgets and you have employees, and that's just not, that's just not a realistic way to work, where you're going to have federal funding for four years and then you're not going to have federal funding. I mean, it, it's just not going to work, and it would have a devastating impact on religious organizations in the United States. That is an unacceptable outcome. It is unacceptable because this country is founded on a tradition and practice of having a broad variety of civic organizations that meet the needs of its citizenry, many of whom are religious. 
So what I think the point for your listeners and for you, what, I, what I'm trying to make is that we're sitting in a reality here where we're trying to figure out we have the Supreme Court has legalized same-sex marriage through Obergefell. That means in all 50 states, there is now constitutional protections for sexual orientation in that way. And so we're sitting here trying to figure out, like I said at the beginning of the show, we're trying to figure out how do you balance rights against one another. They already exist. And so Fairness for All, we're on the record for two years now, is exploring it. And our goal is to try to figure out, is there a way forward that can balance these important rights in a way that preserves religious freedom and preserves the most freedom into the future? Um, you know, in, in that comment, that's a very, very difficult question and, and is very nuanced. Uh, my concern oftentimes is uh, what we're now looking for in that is for exceptions to the rule or um, granting religious institutions certain exceptions. And that also has many, many problems. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker of the law firm of Mauk and Baker. Today we are speaking with Shapri Lomaglio, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Executive Programs at the CCCU. And we've been talking about uh, legislative initiatives, particularly the Fairness for All uh, initiative taking place. Um, your passion is quite obvious on this, but I'm going to run out of time. And there are a couple other things that I want to move on to as well. In the short remaining time that we have, let me turn and ask you a question. So what sets Christian higher education apart from other secular institutions? Why do we even preserve these Christian uh, colleges and universities? Well, that's a great question, and thank you for asking that. Well, we like to say, we think a verse that kind of summarizes um, what's really distinctive about Christian higher education is that we're teaching our students to love the Lord, their God, with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind. As Christians, we recognize that these, two, these three things are integrated. I think there's a great quote from um, Arthur Holmes, who wrote the kind of you know, quintessential book, The Idea of a Christian College, and he says that the Christian college is distinctive because we live in a secular society that compartmentalizes religion and treats it as peripheral or even irrelevant to large areas of life and thought. Public education and large segments of private education are consequently thoroughly secular, and the Christian college refuses to compartmentalize religion. It retains a unifying Christian worldview, and it brings it to bear in understanding and participating in the various arts and sciences as well as in the non-academic aspects of campus life. Its oldest precedent is a medieval university where the life and thought of the entire community were penetrated and informed by theological studies. So I could say that all myself, but there's no better person to say that than Arthur Holmes in that book. And I think that, that summarizes what's unique, different, special, and needed about Christian colleges and universities. Uh, Shapri, he was one of my professors at Wheaton College back in the 70s, so I, I love you quoting Holmes. Shapri, thank you for speaking with us today. How can people learn more about the CCCU and the legal issues that we've just discussed? Well, we would be delighted for people to check out our website, www.cccu.org. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and we also have a magazine and an e-newsletter that if people want to sign up for, they can find out how to do that on our website. Again, thanks for being on our show, and I am bringing you back if you'll come. So thanks so much. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. 
You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at mautbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Rich Baker, attorney at Mauk and Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.